0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. This is Teresa, I will be reading from 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Well, good morning. 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 And I just I need a minute to recover from that song that was uh, powerful. Wow. Um, let's pray together before I get started. Father, it is my prayer that your son would be all in me. That I would be nothing. That I, that all of me, all of my flesh, all of my pride, God would be burned away. And that what would be left would be Christ in me. It's my prayer to you this morning as I preach, as I open your word. God, Help me, help me to get out of the way, to decrease. Help me to stop crying. (laughs) I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Sorry about that, that's awkward for everybody. um, and now I'm going to be sniffling the whole time. Ugh. Maybe we should start doing that song at the end, Lucius. <laughs> um, well, anyways, um, my name is Ben. If I haven't met you yet, um, it's a great way to meet somebody. Um, my wife is Tiffany over here. We have five kids, um, ages 15 down to three. Two boys, three girls, and um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share the message that the Lord's given me today from, from 2 Timothy. Um, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles there, if, you don't, if you're not, not already done that, um, it's going to be on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, um, I would love for you to follow along because there's some other things I want you to see here in the book that aren't going to be up on the screen. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, I want to s- tell you a little story, personal story. So um, I, back uh, 14, 15, 14 years ago, was a uh, career firefighter, and I remember um, at, this was a big department down in the Atlanta area, and uh, the the training for that, the fire academy, was about nine months, and then They assign you to a station, and I was assigned to station seven. And I remember my first day at station seven, I remember uh, sitting around the table with what would be my crew um, between eight and ten people on any given uh, day, depending on how many were assigned. Uh, I might need that, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. Um, I remember being introduced to the crew and, uh, and, you know, I wanted to be a light. I was a Christian at the time. I wanted to be a light there in the station. And uh, the introduction that I was given was not what I was hoping for. Um, uh, my lieutenant, he, he says, this is our, our new rookie, Preston. And, um, and then he goes, he says, uh, he's a, a deacon or something. Um, and, and then starts to kind of chuckle and make light of the fact that I was a Christian. Um, and, uh, and in that moment, I would like to say that I had courage and that I spoke up right then and explained a little bit further what, um, what he was getting at and that I was a Christian and that here's why I'm a Christian. And, um, and the reality is that on that day and that opportunity, that moment, I didn't. I didn't say a word. I was afraid, and I kept my mouth shut. I smiled, um, and and went about um, my day. And I think probably all of us have a memory, if you've been a Christian for a little while, you probably have a memory at some point of an opportunity that you had to speak up about your faith when you were um, embarrassed to, are afraid to, where you didn't speak up, but you know you should have. You know you could have. Today, what we're going to look at in our passage is really it's about that. It's it's what God would tell us, how He would encourage us if we ever struggle with boldness to share our faith, um, if we ever shrink back or keep our mouth shut when we know we had an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And um, maybe I'm the only one here, you know, maybe you are all super bold and you share your faith with ease, um, but I, I doubt that that's the case, right? I think that we all struggle with this from time to time. And so these are going to be encouraging words for all of us. Um, the first thing that I want to do is I want to... To show you how I come to the conclusions that I'm coming to in these verses. So if you've you've got 2 Timothy open, I want to show you that there is this theme of of suffering as a Christian and and faithfully enduring that that's throughout this book. So maybe you caught it there in verse 8. It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but, instead of being ashamed of of the gospel and of Paul in prison, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So there it it is brought up the first time in this letter from Paul to Timothy. And then, uh, if you look at verse 11 and 12, he says that he was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. Okay, so, so here it comes up again. He's, he's talking about suffering as, a, as an apostle, preacher, teacher, um, and that he is not ashamed of the gospel, right? Um, look down at, keep going, and look at verse uh, or chapter 2, verse 3. He says, share in suffering as a good Soldier of Christ Jesus. Look down at two, eight, and nine. Um, he says, as, I, "As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering." OK? Now look over at um, where is it? Verse chapter three verse. Eleven, he talks about his persecutions and sufferings that happened. Which persecutions I endured. Um, and then verse twelve: Indeed, all who desire to live godly, a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Um, and then, finally, in four verse five, chapter four verse five: As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So you see this theme throughout the book, that um, Christians are expected to endure suffering for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. We shouldn't be surprised by it when it comes. And and I think that this is is pretty clear, but I want to make sure that you're seeing this, that this is a suffering that comes because you open your mouth and you say, The truth. It's not just a, it's not, this is, the Bible does say that um, it does have a lot to say about suffering more generally um, and the way that that strengthens our faith, that that all kinds of trials, James 1 would talk about this, to have joy in all kinds of trials because all sorts of suffering are actually uh, being used in your life to purify you and to strengthen your faith and to create steadfastness in you. Um, that is absolutely a theme in Scripture, but in Second Timothy, the, the specific way that Paul's talking about suffering is a suffering for the gospel, and it's a suffering because he's expecting Timothy to suffer because he actually speaks up about what's true. We we all see that in these verses. Okay, so now I want to show you. Now that we've seen that, I want to show you. Um, the connection in verses 6, 7, and 8, where we're going to be hanging out, I want to show you the connection in these verses to that theme in the book. So so after the first five verses, kind of the introduction, um, you know, Eric's covered this well last week. He's, he's encouraging Timothy with some things. He's telling him he remembers him all the time, and he prays for him all the time. And um, that he can't wait to see him, he longs to see him, that he's be that filled with joy. He, he encouraged them that he knows Timothy's got a sincere faith. And then he kind of gets into like instruction. And here's what he says in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. So it's a gift that God gave to Timothy that's inside of him through the laying on of my hands. He's referring to um, a, he, he talks about this elsewhere in 1 Timothy, that um, there's this time when, when Timothy, probably was when, when he was being ordained as a pastor, and, and a council of elders, a council of pastors laid hands on him, and they were praying for him, and he received a gift from God in that moment. And apparently there was a prophetic word, talks about that also in 1 Timothy, right in that moment, he received a gift, and um, he... he, he was sent out from there, commissioned. So I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It's easy to see that these two ideas in verses 6 and 7 are connected because it's all one sentence, right? He fan into flame this gift The spirit that you've been given is not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And then in verse 8, it starts with, Therefore, do not be ashamed. Anytime you're reading your Bible and you see a therefore, ask the question, what's it there for? It's a good little way to remember that. A a therefore is meant to link you back to what was just said. And, And so when he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He is connecting that admonition to what he just said about fanning into flame this gift from God that is a spirit that's not fearful, but is powerful and loving and full of self-control. Are you seeing the connection now? Okay. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Verse 6 says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. What is this gift of God? Well, um, it is probably, it's either this, a spiritual gift that was imparted to him when he was ordained, or it is just, he's just referring to the Holy Spirit. Either way, um, that the application is going to be just the same for us. So either it's a a spiritual gift, it seems like, or the Spirit himself, either way, it's the Spirit being poured out, giving him specific power and and, and effectiveness, right? We see that? And what Paul's telling Timothy to do with that, that's what we really need to see here. He says, says, um, fan into flame the gift of God. That word there, fan into flame, it, it could also be translated to rekindle. So if you imagine a fire that's kind of starting to go out, there's a, there are a few things that you can do. You can either give it oxygen or you can give it fuel, right? And um, all fires are going to need uh, some fuel to keep going. If you don't give it fuel, eventually it'll burn out, and they're going to need oxygen. So, um, it's translated here, fan into flame, but it could be translated uh, rekindle or feed the fire. Yeah. Either works. Um, but, but, but the thing that we need to see is that the gift of God isn't just automatic for Timothy. Right? He has the spirit in him. He has spiritual giftings just like every believer. So that includes you. But this, these gifts... And the spirit in him are not automatic. He doesn't, in other words, he doesn't just get to put it on autopilot, right? There's something that he needs to do on his part. And the same is true for each of us. And what he needs to do is he needs to feed the fire. He needs to feed the fire. So um, how do you do that? How do you feed the fire in your spiritual life? How do you fan the flame? How do you rekindle? What, what's, the, what's the fuel? What's the oxygen? Well, the text doesn't give us any specifics here, but I think we, uh, we know what that looks like. If we just pause and, and meditate on this, if we just think about this for a moment. How do you feed the fire in your spiritual life? When, when you think about your walk with Christ, when were you burning the hottest? What were you doing? I, I think... This is, this is helpful for me at least. I think of the oxygen as being the Spirit, and um, I think of the fuel as being the Word. And so when I think about uh, how do I make the fire burn hotter inside me, where I go is I go to prayer first, asking for the Spirit. Jesus said that that anyone who asks a father for a gift, they can expect a loving father to give them a gift, even more so someone who asks the, their heavenly father for the Holy Spirit. So, so I need to ask the Holy Spirit and say, I, I mean, ask the father, say, God, I want more of your spirit. I, that's feeding the fire. Um, when I spend time in prayer with him, I like to think that... Um, I am breathing the air of heaven. I'm in the presence of holiness. I'm in the presence of the King when I'm praying. And I come away different from that. I don't know about you, but I know that for me, I can, I can start out my morning feeling like an unbeliever. I can wake up. It doesn't matter how great my day was yesterday. I can wake up feeling like I don't give a rip about any of this until I sit down and pray, right? Until I get on my knees and start asking God to do things and start praising Him and reminding myself who He is, who is this that I'm talking to. And the next thing I know, you know, the fire is burning hotter, oxygen. And then I'll, I'll open the Word and, and I'll study it. I'll read it. I'll read it through and then I'll go back to verses that stood out to me and I'll I'll write them down and I'll pick pick them apart. I'll I'll think about one word at a time and, and I'll and I'll try and think about how that word applies to the rest of the text and I'll think about what is it saying in its context, right? Like what what is what is the point of this text? And then and then what is what is the point of this for me today? And I, all of a sudden the fires burning hotter. What else feeds the flame? Fellowship with other believers. Talking with another Christian, right? What else feeds the flame? Worship, right? Uh, I mean, I felt like I was burning hotter after those songs this morning than I was before them. Um, Personal, you know, alone worship. Putting your headphones in and getting alone with the Lord and putting music on and worshiping Him. What else, burns, what else makes the fire burn hotter? Fasting, just just seeking God, going after Him with all your heart, meditating on the Scriptures, which, which requires memorizing it. That's why as a church, we try to memorize Scripture so that you have Scripture in your heart so that you can meditate on it throughout your day. You know what feeds the flame, but I'm just reminding you. Think back on when you were burning hottest. What were you doing Go back and do that again. Go back and do that again. Whatever you do, don't let your fire go out. Keep feeding the flame. Keep feeding the flame. You can't stop. You can't just say, well, I went to this one meeting and it was incredible. I had an encounter with God and now it's autopilot from from here on out. No, no, no. Keep feeding the flame. Fight the fight of faith. Don't give up Keep showing up morning after morning after morning. Open, your, open the Bible. Pray. Show up at church. Join a community group. Get in fellowship. Go after God with everything in you and fight, fight, fight against that fleshly desire to just quit or coast. Because in the end, Jesus says, if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarmness is dangerous. So fan it into flame, feed the fire. Now I want to get into what will, we, um, what will we experience as we feed the fire? As the fire burns hotter, what are we going to experience? And that's, um, that's getting us into verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Here's what we're gonna experience as the fire burns hotter. Number one, not fear, courage. Not fear, courage. He says, God gave us a spirit not of fear. When the spirit in us is bubbling up and overflowing, then we begin to find that we have courage that that we cannot help but speak up that when that opportunity comes up when you're speaking with a friend or a co-worker or a family member or a neighbor you can't help but speak and where did that come from not from you it didn't come from you it came from his spirit in you burning hot it it is so important that we allow his spirit to burn hot enough in us that he gives us the courage to speak up here's how important it is here's how important it is in in mark chapter 8 i was just reading this in my personal quiet time this week mark chapter 8 verse 38 and we've got it on the screen as well for whoever is ashamed of me, this is Jesus speaking, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That is a scary verse. That's a terrifying verse. (laughs) You know that there are supposed to be some scary verses in the Bible. Jesus says things to wake us up. And here's how important this is. This isn't just a one, this isn't just like a thing that shows up one time here, but nowhere else. No, this is, this is elsewhere in Scripture. In fact, we're going to see it in 2 Timothy 2. Um, 2 Timothy 2, verse 12, he says, If we deny him, he also will deny us. That's what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. If we're ashamed of Jesus, we're ashamed to be identified with Jesus. And I'm not talking about one time. I'm not talking about you. One time you, you should have spoken up and you didn't. I'm talking about this is, this is your character. This is who you are. You're ashamed to be identified with Christ. And you don't ever speak up. You don't ever want anybody to know that you're a Christian. There's reason to be afraid. Um, Notice here that he says it's not just of me, he says of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. You know, there's a branch, a false branch of Christianity. It's sometimes called progressive Christianity. And in that branch of Christianity, it's not a, br- it's not a real branch, right? It's, it's a false version. Um, they're okay with being identified with Jesus in, in, to a certain degree, in that they'll call themselves Christians and they'll say, I'm good with Jesus, except, but I just don't like blank. I just don't believe what the Bible has to say about sexuality and gender, for example. That's a false Christianity. Because to be ashamed of Jesus' word is to be ashamed of Jesus. It's to be ashamed of who he is. And, and I bring up, you know, those things because every generation has a different point of contention. For Paul, I mean, for Paul, for him to stand up and be bold, he was preaching that um, it was Christ that was our righteousness and that you no longer had to be circumcised for righteousness. It's not exactly what's going to get anybody thrown in prison anymore, Right? but it got him thrown in prison. For Martin Luther, it was that the scriptures, not the Pope, were the ultimate authority, right? In every generation, boldness looks like being willing to stand for truth at the point of greatest contention. Do you hear hear that? Boldness looks like being willing to stand for what's true at the point of greatest contention. That's what it means to not be ashamed of Jesus' words. So we're to not be ashamed of Christ or His word. But we're to be like the psalmist who said, Oh, how I love your law. I love what your law says. I love it. And so when somebody comes against what's true, it hurts my heart because I love you. Fear, not fear, but courage. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, it says that they recognized that they had been with Jesus because um, of their boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Even though they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something we work up. You Don't, get, you don't, don't leave here gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to go be bold for Jesus. That will not last long. <laughs> this is a, a gift. It's his, it's his courage in you. Look at next. Um, it says... He's not given us a spirit. He's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. Power. That word there, um, that means ability. Power is the ability to affect change. Don't overcomplicate power. Power is not chills. What I mean is sometimes we say like, oh, that's a powerful speaker, or that was a powerful meeting. And what we mean was I got stirred up and I got chills. Maybe that was, maybe, but that's not power necessarily. Not unless you went away from that changed, a different person, acting differently, living differently, believing differently. That's power. Power is the ability to affect change. I believe that when, I mean, think about this. Jesus says to his disciples, you'll receive power to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. He says that at the beginning of Acts, Acts 1.8. And then the Holy Spirit falls, Pentecost, while they're in the upper room, and Peter goes out and he preaches, and he preaches with power, right? And what happens when he preaches? 3,000 people are converted to Christ, now, personally, I don't think that when he preached that day, his sermon sounded a whole lot different than many of the sermons that he'd preached before when Jesus sent the disciples out to go and preach in the towns and villages. He'd done it many times before. I don't think that, that the other disciples who were listening were like, dude, oh my goodness, you that was so much better than you've ever preached before. I don't think that's what power means. I think it means simple, plain words that just sound like plain old words coming out of a plain old mouth, and somehow people say, what must I do to be saved? That's power. The spirit that's been given to you is the spirit of power, ability, It's the spirit of ability. So you might feel like, I can't share my faith. I'm no good at talking to people about the gospel. I'm no good at... Stop saying that. It's not about you. Right? It's not about us. It's about Him. And He is the spirit of ability. He can talk about Jesus. He he can give you the words. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus promises that he will do when he's with his disciples on the last night, isn't it? I'm gonna send you the spirit. He's gonna teach you everything. He's gonna remind you of all the things that I said. When you're standing in front of people, don't worry about what you're gonna say because the spirit's gonna give you the words. Remember that? Remember all that? You have that spirit. The spirit of power. Ability. Third thing. That he says about this spirit that we've been given is that he's a spirit of love, spirit of love, and I would say that that means not indifference. Um, when I'm not full of love, I don't feel like I'm unloving. I feel indifferent to my lost neighbors and friends and the people around me. Anybody else? And suddenly, when his love begins to fill my heart, then I start to care. I start to feel a burden for people that don't know him, for neighbors that don't know him, for other cities in Vermont that don't know him, for other cities in New England, for for the nations. I begin to feel a burden, a, a burning inside me, a care, like I've got to do something. That's what love does. Love compels us to action for the sake of others. Uh, you know, imagine a, a, a house on fire and you see a mom or a dad go running into that house because one of their kids is in there. You don't say, wow, that was really risky. Because that's just what you do. If you, if you love your kids, you just risk your life if they're in a burning building. You just you don't even think about the risk. Love compels us to action. When, when, when God puts his love for other people into our hearts, then it makes us willing to take the risk that we might be rejected, that we might be demoted, that, that our coworkers might start talking about us behind our back. We just know that hell is real. That sin really has people in bondage and that we really have the solution in the gospel and it compels us to action. Fourth thing that we will experience as the fire burns hotter in us is... Um, He says self-control. You may have a different version. Um, Some versions here say a sound mind. Um, Some say of discipline. Some say uh, sound judgment. Um, It's because this is not the same word that's translated self-control in other parts of the New Testament. This is the only place that this word is used. But all of, if you kind of look at all of those words together, what, what you're see here is that the Spirit is in control of your mind, or can be in control of your mind. The Spirit is a spirit of self-control. Interestingly, when you look at the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, the first one is love, the last one is self-control. And here we're seeing love is going to come out of us if we're Fanning into flame, the gift of God in us, and self-control. But what does that have to do with being able to, how does he put it, not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord? What does it have to do with that? Well, I think um, there is this, we have this fear, this concern that we're going to be at a loss for words, that our mind's going to go blank as soon as we start talking about our faith, Right? We're going to be in a conversation and somebody's going to ask us a question. And guess what? They are going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. And that is okay. But but you are not going to sit there with no words to say. Not if you have the Holy Spirit in you. You're going to have some words to say. And whatever words you have to say are the words that are needed for that moment for that person. So here's what I think that it's getting at when it says... that he's given given us a spirit of self-control or a sound mind. It's that you're not going to be at a loss for words in that moment, just like Jesus promised. In fact, just really quickly, flip back over to John 14. So John 14, 26 Here's what Jesus said. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. There's a promise. So here's what I think that this is getting at. When when you have the opportunity to speak up and the Spirit is burning hot in you, he is going to bring to your remembrance all that he said to you before. And then look over at 15, verses 26 and 27. John 15, 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear, he will bear witness about me. And then look, and you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. He will bear witness. This is the Holy Spirit is gonna do it and, and you will do it because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So I have two simple takeaways. Two simple takeaways based on all of this. Number one is what I've been saying all along. Feed the flame. Feed the flame. Don't don't depend on your own dogged determination. Don't don't depend on your grit. And also, don't try and use guilt because you haven't evangelized enough as a motivator to get out there and be bold. It won't work. Tried it. It won't work. Maybe once or twice. (laughs) But it won't last. Feed the flame. Second takeaway, believe. Step out in faith and believe what God says. I mean, here's what God says. He says... You've got a spirit, a, a, not, not a spirit that's afraid, but, but a, a courageous spirit in you. He says you've got a spirit that's powerful, that's, that's able. He says you've got a spirit that's full of love for other people. He says you've got the spirit that's self controlled, and you're gonna have the words to say in that moment. Your mind is gonna suddenly clear up, and you're gonna know what to say. So believe it, right? Here's what the Bible says about faith. Galatians 3, 5. Um, Where's Galatians? There it is. Galatians 3, 5. Here's what Paul uh, writes. The Holy Spirit writes through Paul. He says in verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is that he supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles through you through faith. Now, flip back over to our passage. He's He tells Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This is the only way, Timothy, this is the only way, believer, that you're going to be able to do what God's asking you to do. It's by the power of God. How do you access the power of God? How do you access this spirit that's been given to you? By hearing with faith. So, believe it. Believe that you have what you need to do what he has commanded always, always. He never asks us to do anything that he doesn't fully intend to do through us. Let me wrap this up by telling you a little bit more of the story of Station 7. So, I didn't speak up that day. Um, I was a little dry. The, the nine months of the academy, I was waking up every day at four and I wasn't having a quiet time. And um, I was dry by the time I graduated the academy. And when I started, my flame was barely flickering. But over the next months, um, I was I was digging into the word. I read a book called Desiring God by John Piper for the first time, and it rocked my world. My fire started to burn hot. And so I began to talk to the crew about my faith. I began to just share when the opportunities came up and tell them about Jesus. And I started to, um, to be you know grow in boldness with them. And finally one day I started to ask, I said, hey, would anybody be interested in, in having a Bible study with me? And got no, no responses, no responses. Nobody was interested. Okay, that's fine. And I kept throwing the invitation out there. Seven months into my time at Station 7, um, engineer, driver engineer named Jeremy shows up one morning, and uh, we're, we're walking into the station in the parking lot, and he and he holds up a Bible. And he goes, "Today's the day." And I said, "What's what's that?" He said, "Well, my wife gave me this for uh, Father's Day. Today's the day. We're gonna have that Bible study." I said, "Okay." <laughs> so, um, I remember everybody's kind of in the evenings. You know, everybody's done with the chores. Everybody's kind of lounging around in the living room there. And I said, "Hey guys, uh, Jeremy and I, we're gonna go over." For the classroom over there, we're going to have a Bible study. If anybody else wants to join us, you're welcome to. Seven out of eight. Seven out of eight got up Amen. and came over. And we began a Bible study that lasted for the rest of my time at that station. And um, multiple people um, put their faith in Jesus. The behavior Changed. I mean, these were changed people. Word about this Bible study happening in the fire station spread throughout the county to the other stations. And I can't take one lick, one ounce of credit for what God did there. But I can say this, that it was as the flame burned hot in me that I began to have the courage to speak up. It was as that flame was burning in me that suddenly I could say, I want to tell you guys about my faith. And that was the beginning of what God did Station 7. You've experienced this. If you've been a Christian for very long, you know that this is true. That as you feed the flame, your courage grows, and it's not your courage really, it's His. And He gives you the words to say, Maybe you're here this morning and, and you would say, you know, I, I'm new to all this and I, don't, I haven't ever put my faith in Jesus. You can do that today. Here's, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are sinners, that we have gone our own way and done our own thing and lived without reference to God in the world that He created. And that the, the penalty for that is death. And the Bible says that um, Jesus was God's solution to that problem. That Jesus came to the world. The Son of God came to the world. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross and died in our place, took our sins upon himself. That he was buried and on the third day he rose from the grave. And that he invites everyone who will turn from their sins and believe in him to be forgiven of their sins and to be saved and to know him for eternity. That's available to everyone who will turn from their sin and believe in him. That's how you begin a relationship with Jesus. And you know what the very first act of obedience is? It's baptism. And I bring that up because one, we're doing baptisms next week. But two, Because baptism, it's it's, it's interesting that baptism is the first act of obedience. Baptism is a public willingness to identify yourself with Christ. If you haven't taken that step of obedience, don't expect to have the courage to speak up in your workplace. This is step one for a reason. The life of a Christian is one of continually speaking up, being willing to be identified with Christ. Christ if you haven't been baptized and you've believed in Jesus, then I want to implore you to be baptized. We we can talk. You can put that on your Connect card. We can baptize you next week. But if you haven't taken that step of obedience, do that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, your word. Thank you that you never command us to do a single thing without fully intending to do it through us. Thank you that you have equipped us with everything we need to be unashamed, bold witnesses for you. I pray that Um, We would fan into flame the gift of God that is in us, and I pray that we would step out in faith this week and believe that what you've said is true. Thank you, Lord, that you will do it. We can't wait to see what you do. Amen.